Hey, Shepherd family, I bring grace to you and peace from God our Father through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Those are the traditional words with which I begin my messages here in our in-person worship. I want you to know that as you worship digitally, that same grace and mercy and peace goes through the fiber optic wiring and right into wherever it is that you are right now listening to this message. I pray that God's richest grace and mercy and peace through Jesus Christ is resting in your heart as I preach to you today. You know, as I prepared this message, I uh, was taken back to a time when I would often go across the street to uh, 514 West Avenue. I think that was Scott, Nancy, and Matt Gross's address. I was 523 West Avenue. And I would go over to their house, and sometimes I would eat with them dinner. Now, I was raised as a Lutheran. Scott, Nancy, and Matt were being raised as the Roman Catholic family that their mom and dad so cherished. And as I would go over there, part of their tradition, their ritual before every meal was to say grace. It was not a common custom in my home of upbringing, but it certainly was in theirs. That means that as I grew with them from when I was the tiniest little Scott into a big Scott, I had to learn to say grace. Um, and the thing about the tradition of saying grace with Scott, Nancy, and Matt was that at the end of grace, as so many Roman Catholics do, they would make the sign of the cross. Now, having been raised in a non-Roman Catholic tradition, I didn't know the sign of the cross. Even though some Lutherans, German Lutherans, typically will use the sign of the cross, I wasn't raised as a German Lutheran. I was raised as a Scandinavian Lutheran. That's a different kind of experience. That's a different kind of tradition. And so I had no idea why in the world I would be making this genuflection. In fact, truth be told, I didn't even know it was the sign of the cross early on. One day, I was sitting there having dinner, and at the end of saying grace, which I kind of mumbled through because I hadn't memorized it yet, while everyone else at the table did this, I did this. No, I seriously did exactly that. I just kind of waved my hand in the air. Now, Gordon Gross, the dad, was a very serious man. His sense of humor was very dry. And in, in some ways, sometimes you were kind of just scared of Gordon because while he was a very great, nice uh, neighborhood dad, you just kind of didn't know where he was coming from because he didn't say a lot of words. And I just remember that when I did my hand motions like that, Gordon Gross, the only time I remembered, he erupted with laughter at the table. And erupting with laughter at the table, I, I looked at him and I, I was like, what did I do? Because he was laughing at me. And then they explained to me the whole deal. Now, I start out with that very warm, sentimental, extended story from my past to just highlight for you that we all have religious traditions. Some of them are steeped in our Christian upbringing. Some of them are steeped in the spirituality of today. Maybe you've heard on shows like Oprah Winfrey or whatnot that when you wake up your eyes to the morning, um, before you uh, swing yourself completely out of bed, just take a moment to anticipate the day and have a moment of silence before you launch into all the activity. 
you know, religious tradition can come from our spiritually religious upbringing, or it can come from our culture. But our religious tradition can always be one of two things, either very thick or very thin. Let's go back to the Gross family uh, conversation for a second. Um, you know, for them, saying grace before meal and genuflecting, making that sign of the cross, was a very thick tradition. It was important for them in their Roman Catholic upbringing and experience to go through that tradition before they put a bite of food in their, in their mouth. For me, while I adopted that tradition while I was with them, it was a very paper-thin tradition. It was somewhat meaningful, but really not at all, because it was just not a part of my regular habitual DNA. Now, all of this goes to a conversation I want to have with you today about your religious traditions. And especially the ones that are thickest for you, the ones that you cherish the most. Those thick traditions may be very traditional. Um, always attending church on Sunday morning, whether digitally or in person. Always saying grace before every meal you eat. Always praying before you go to bed. Always reading your devotions before um, you start your day. Those traditions, those religious traditions, are very thick. They are filled with meaning. That's what a thick tradition is, is a tradition that is filled with very deep meaning. And when that tradition gets violated or upset, there is typically a reaction in you of anger or exasperation. On the other side, if a thin tradition gets upset, the way you put on your socks, um, the way that uh, you prepare for your day in the morning with your breakfast. Um, you're going to choose one kind of cereal over another. You can kind of work through those violations of thin traditions fairly easily. It's okay. Um, I want to talk today about tradition, about thick tradition. And especially, I want to share with you today an encounter Jesus had with some folks who had elevated what really ought to have been thin traditions to a level of thick traditions such that if you did not honor their thick traditions that they had invented, you would no longer be deemed worthy of God's relationship with you, of God's presence in your life, of God's direction for your future. That's a pretty significant significant declaration by those who are playing around with traditions in this world. The Pharisees uh, noticed one day that as Jesus' disciples were going about their business, they weren't doing the traditions that the Pharisees, the religious leaders back then, had said were important. Like, for instance, washing your hands in a certain way before a meal. Now, we take for granted washing our hands before a meal. I'm not talking about basic 21st century American human hygiene. I'm talking about the religious tradition back then of washing away all of the alien, stained experience you've had up to this point in your day in order to prepare for you to have a meal with brothers and sisters in the faith and, of course, God. It wasn't just about getting rid of germs and bacteria. It was about getting rid of the stain of life in this world. It was a ritual washing. 
The Pharisees saw that the disciples did not live up to this ritual washing, and therefore they declared that these disciples were outside the will of God. Jesus came and he said, hold your horses, hold on. If we're going to follow God rightly, we are going to ensure that the traditions we elevate, the traditions which we say are thick, really, truly are said that way, declared to be that way by God himself. Listen into these words from the Gospel of Mark in the New Testament, Mark chapter 7. Listen to these words and the way in which Jesus responds to these religious leaders, these leaders of tradition, while they were leading astray the people that God so loved and for whom Jesus came. Listen in. Jesus said, verse 6, You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law, and you substitute your own tradition. You ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. When I uh, had the opportunity to become the lead pastor at my uh, former congregation, Concordia Lutheran Church in Kirkwood, Missouri, I would have, because it was a large congregation, many different kinds of people come to me and want to be baptized. Baptism matters because it is by baptism that we identify with God as his followers, and it's also the way by which God, through Jesus Christ, enters into our lives in a mysterious way to claim us as his very own. Now, typically in the Roman Catholic tradition and the Lutheran tradition and many other traditions, baptism is done by just pouring or sprinkling water on the head of a child or, or an adult. Um, sometimes, though, you have different folks coming from different traditions, different denominational backgrounds and experiences, and they will say, you know, I, I appreciate that um, the amount of water and the way in which it's applied, it doesn't really matter, but if it's possible, Pastor Scott, would it be possible to immerse me? Now, this is kind of a very different thing. If you've been raised in a tradition that has a certain approach to baptism, then to all of a sudden change it out for a wholly different approach, that can really be messing with tradition. I remember Steve came and said, I really want to be baptized by being immersed. Now, the thing is, at Concordia Kirkwood, we didn't have a pool, we didn't have a pond, we didn't have a pond or pool, we didn't have anything in which to immerse at that point in time. So I called my friend up, Pastor Jeff, down at the Missionary Baptist Church. They had a, a pool within the sanctuary, albeit that it was attached to an outside wall. And so we went over there in order to do this baptism. It was the middle of winter. Did I mention that the baptismal pool was on an outside wall? Uh, the water was no greater than 40 degrees. It was freezing cold water. But Steve, Steve wanted to honor the tradition in which he was raised and also experience baptism as the word itself connotes, which is to submerse the body into, into and underneath the water. So... We got down to our bathing suits, and he went in, and I went in, and at 40 degrees, I did the fastest baptism I have ever done in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Out. Towel, please. <laughs> That's how it went. 
some years later, another set of parents came and they asked because, again, their background, their tradition was very thick around the, the experience of submerged baptism. And they wanted their fourth grade child, Evan, to be baptized by immersion. Now, by this time at Concordia Kirkwood, I had gotten a little bit wiser. And so we found a horse trough. I don't mean to be indelicate about this, but it was just a big trough that you find out on a farm that horses would drink from. We bought a new one. It was fresh and clean. We filled it up with water. We put three fish tank heaters in it overnight so, so that little Evan, when he got in the water in the middle of winter, would not be freezing cold. And uh, that morning, Sunday morning, I came in and I submerged Evan three times a little more slowly than the last time in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. See, when those requests were made of me, the joy was that the tradition that they valued had met Jesus, whom they believed in as Lord and Savior. In the story that I read from Mark chapter 7, the Pharisees had these traditions, but they had not been baptized by Jesus. They were separate from the plan of God that he was enacting in Jesus, this kingdom that he had brought near to heaven and uh, from heaven to earth, this kingdom was something that was indispensable for any tradition to have continuing validity. The Pharisees didn't have it. Those religious leaders, they were out of bounds. And they therefore were hearing this word from Jesus, you have traded out, you have traded out the the will of God for the traditions that are man-made. We need, like Steve and Evan, to be baptized into a tradition that may be important for you, not important for me, but nonetheless, it is always connected to Jesus. There are Christians, Catholic otherwise, that cross themselves at the beginning of a worship service. Sometimes that genuflection, as it's called, is just done as a rote thing that we do because, well, that's what we do. The challenge is, when you do that, if you do that, baptize it with Jesus. If you get up on the side of your bed every morning and you take a few deep breaths and quote-unquote collect your thoughts in 21st century American cultural spirituality frame, if that's what you do, then take the next step. Don't just baptize it with Oprah. Baptize it with Jesus. The one who comes on behalf of God in order to die on the cross for our sins and give us the hope of eternal life. Do that. And if you're sitting at a table and you're going through the motions of, um, of, of the table grace, the prayer, um, thank God for the food. His provision of you as one of his prized creations is something to be thankful for. But extend that. Add a sentence on, and thank you, by the way, for forgiving me my sins and giving me the hope of eternal life. There's nothing wrong with traditions. We all have them. Some are thick and very meaningful. Some are thin and they're just kind of passing habits that we fly through each and every day. But whatever the traditions are that you hold sacred for your life as a follower of God, make sure those traditions are not simply traditions for their own sake. 
Make sure they are traditions for Christ's sake. Jesus said, I did not come to be served by your traditions. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for the many. You have the opportunity not just to baptize your traditions, but also to create new ones that give greater dynamic and enhance the way in which you practice your Christian faith. I encourage that too. We are living in changing times. And in changing times, the church's gospel does not change, but the traditions and habits and rituals and practices and decorum by which, by which that gospel is celebrated and treasured, those habits, traditions, they will change. But not without Jesus. Well, thanks for listening today. Thanks for spending some time in prayer revisiting the traditions that uh, you you cherish in your own life. And thanks for making that effort to baptize them with the Lord and Savior Jesus who has purchased and won you to be his very own. I'm Pastor Scott. If I can ever help you in the way in which you practice, traditionally or non-traditionally, your Christian faith, you only have to reach out, give me or John Carolis, our Director of Digital Ministry, a call. And by the way, just because it was such a significant illustration for today, if baptism is something that you might be interested in exploring, understanding why that identification piece for Christianity is so critical, I'm glad to talk to you about that as well. Have a great rest of the day, and may the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, both now and forever. Amen. Amen.